remind you, we're not meeting here. We're still meeting as a church, but it's over in Matney Park. So this is Memorial Day weekend. Lots of people are traveling. Let's have a nice family gathering. Uh, we'll have food for you, but you have to bring a side or a drink, um, and there'll be enough. Don't worry. Um, and also, I was told, uh, as much as I really love church and want to do a full church service, I was advised it would be better to make it more uh, communal-based and not quite so, you know, the 40-minute teaching thing that sometimes I can kind of lean into more than the 30-minute teaching. Um, so we're going to plan on having games, bring all sorts of fun things. I'm going to do uh, a little bit of a game ahead of time, but we're still going to sing some songs. We're going to open up the Word, and then we're going to discuss together uh, as we eat and as we fellowship. Uh, one thing is Woody. He's the pickleball man. Raise your hand in the back. All right, if you want to play pickleball, talk with Woody. So here's the thing. We scheduled Matney Park, and I was like, this is great. Woody, you can teach people how to play pickleball. And then he told me, there are no pickleball courts at Matney Park. I said, oh, uh, and he said, don't worry. There are courts at Founders, which is just a short drive over. So he rented courts at noon. So about an hour, half an hour after we're done with our church service, if anyone would like to play pickleball, let him know. He's going to have set up paddles, balls. Do you need anything else? <laughs> I guess I say it, I think it's pretty simple, right? Um, but he, he would love to, to share that with other people. And I think in the back of his mind, if there's a group that wants to play more regularly, um, Woody would be the guy uh, to talk to on that one. Um, after we get back from that service, next week, uh, we're going to start a brand new series uh, in Deuteronomy. So uh, we're going to call it uh, Laying Down the Law because it's all about the law that God gave to the ancient Israelites. Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh, isn't that a book, boring book, big book at the front of the Bible about this long lost nation uh, that doesn't exist anymore? How could this possibly be of any use to me? Well, here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Deuteronomy is actually a hinge book in the Bible. It's a key to understanding how God has revealed himself throughout the entire text. We have to know what is going on in Deuteronomy. How did, why did God choose to reveal himself in this way? Uh, so we're going to take two months to go through the book of Deuteronomy. My goal is that we would all read the whole book and understand what it's trying to tell us, what God is trying to reveal to us today, and then how this applies to our life. Uh, so in the process, we've, we've created a reading guide where you can go through the entire book of Deuteronomy in the two months it's going to take us to preach through the book of Deuteronomy. And, and let me tell you, that's going to be one of the easiest reading plans you have. It's you know, not even a book a day, uh, but we're going to have you guys sign up by text so we'll send you a daily text that has, here's the passage, and then maybe one like question for reflection. Uh, on the handy dandy printout sheet, in case you're wondering, the bulb went out, you know, if you came in late, and so we don't actually have anything to show you guys. So we're going, what, 1990s style? I don't know, they had projectors in the 1990s. Um, anyway, we printed it. If you want to join the daily Deuteronomy reading plan, it's going to start, I think we have it either Tuesday or Wednesday after uh, the Memorial Day uh, weekend, and then it's going to run all the way through to the end of July. You have to text the word study to 1-844-673-6068. I feel like it's a radio ad. You know how they're like, call 1-844-673-6068. That's right. Text study to, wait, what was that? Before midnight tonight, yeah. You guys can get and pull out your phones right now and check this out. If you already have your phones out to sign up for this reading plan, you can use them for when we talk about scripture in a little bit because guess what? It's not going to be on the screen. All right, so that's study to 1-844-673-6068. Great. 
All right, now that we got that done, right? No, there's a lot of um, exciting things happening. I'm excited for uh, what the summer's going through. Uh, also, I want to ask you guys to pray. I don't know if you guys watched the Friday videos. Uh, we're going to meet again as staff, elders, trustees, June 5th to talk about renewing the lease on this space. Um, and I recognize I've shared so much this year about changes, potential changes, new focuses. Wait, we're losing this, the sanctuary. No, wait, no, it's, it might be back on, but I don't know. You know, like I get it. And I thank you guys for joining us. Uh, continue to pray for that. Um, today, we finished our money series. You guys made it through. Uh, I want to talk a little more about the decisions that go behind uh, the little blurbs that you get. So what you hear on a Sunday is, we've decided we're choosing to serve youth, you know, or we're losing the sanctuary. It's like, Whoa, what? You know, there's, there's a ton of prayer, a ton of discussion, uh, conversations that happen behind the scenes. Um, and I want to share a little bit of that today uh, around the question of what is the purpose of the church? Just in general, like, like when God created the church, what was his thought that, that the church would accomplish? What's the purpose? And then we'll look, okay, for our particular purpose at Beyond Church, therefore, what do we see our role is? Uh, what does God expect from us? Uh, that's the question we're gonna, going to be answering. Like, why, why do we gather? Um, we could use our experiences and we could just say, well, here, here's, I've seen this happen, you know, or I think this is what the purpose should be. Um, but we want to build uh, our church on the foundation of his word. So we have to look and see what, what did God say? What are the expectations that he places uh, on the church? Uh, we're going to start in a place that is well deserving to be started from. It's the Great Commission. It's the very end of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. Um, I will let you guys get there on your phones, or if you, if you want a paper copy, the, each table has like two or three Bibles on it, you can go slide over and grab one of those if you like to, to feel it and like to look at the other passages around it. It's Matthew chapter 28, then verses 18 through 20, the very last things that Jesus says to his disciples. It's a classic passage, you'll probably recognize it. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, so this needs a little bit of context. Uh, this is after Jesus has died on the cross. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And then he hangs out a little there with his new resurrected body, teaching his disciples and then he goes back up to heaven uh, and leaves them. You know, and so uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago, obviously traumatic, you know, on our Easter Sunday. Um, but he says, wait, you know, uh, in Acts chapter one, where it actually talks about that we're supposed to be witnesses, like what Tammy was saying um, up here during worship. Uh, he says, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit and then go, be witnesses of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. And that's exactly what we see happening. The book of Acts that we have in the New Testament, uh, shares the story of this early church, this group of disciples that begin telling of who Jesus is and, and people want to join. They, they want to follow Jesus. You see this, this close, tight-knit group that prays together, studies the Bible together, uh, that shares uh, you know, food together, that shares all the possessions together, a very close group. And then people just start getting added more and more and more. It grows. There's churches that kind of pop up all over uh, the Mediterranean Sea, kind of the Roman Empire, um, where they were and where they had the, the common language. And then you have the, the rest of the New Testament are, are these letters written to these early churches, uh, which is trying to help the early churches understand what does it mean to follow this new life? Like, help us understand what this looks like. 
But you see, the purpose of the church doesn't change for any of those churches. It wasn't just the disciples that received this message, make disciples of all nations. Uh, Each one of those churches that gets planted carries that same DNA, that same commissioning that they are charged with making disciples. Uh, Jesus himself sees this as something that doesn't, uh, doesn't just get accomplished once they've gone all the way around the Mediterranean Sea or wherever. At the very end, it says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know, Jesus uh, seems to imply this, this commission that I'm giving you, disciples do this, is going to last until I come back one day. Uh, this, this wasn't just a, hey, you 12 disciples, go tell as many people as possible and then, then you can kind of be done, think, you know, we're, we're ready to go. No, he envisions this making of disciples as happening until Jesus comes back, uh, so, which means that includes us. That's the point I'm trying to make. Uh, and this shouldn't surprise us because the Great Commission itself reflects God's character because our God is an ascending God. Uh, we've talked about this uh, even during the money series where, where God doesn't just sit back and tell us what to do, but rather he sends his son to be with us, to, to, to teach us, to live a perfect life, to die for our sins. Our God is, is ascending God. God the Father sends Jesus the Son, and then Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem until the Father and I send the Holy Spirit on you. And when the Holy Spirit enters the church, the church is then sent out among the nations. The, the Great Commission reflects God's character. It's a part of our DNA, and therefore, for our church, Plum Creek Church, any other church around in town, any church anywhere, at any time throughout history, is going to have this as their commission. Make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Uh, then the question is, okay, well, what's a disciple, right? You know, here, here in this passage, we've got two, uh, two descriptors of what that looks like. It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Uh, most churches would say that first part, the baptizing, baptizing, baptism, baptizing, uh, that would be more like evangelism, you know, where, where you share who Jesus is, uh, you introduce people to Jesus, and then people say, yes, I want to follow him, and then that is started or symbolized by this baptism, this participation in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, the other side, the teaching to obey all I've commanded you, uh, is probably more what churches would call discipleship, you know, and so uh, evangelism, discipleship, all I want to say is those, those are together, you know, disciples definitely, or making disciples, include both of those. It's uh, not simply knowledge. Um, it's also not simply just saying, yes, I'm in and being baptized. I want to ask, what makes a disciple a disciple? Now, this one's open-ended, right? There, there isn't actually a, a nice verse I'm going to go to where Jesus said a disciple is, you know, but what, what would you say? Based on what Jesus taught, what is a disciple? Or and then, like, how many disciples were there, right? I mean, there's the 12 disciples, but there were other people that were hanging out around him, that were following him that would hear his teaching, that would respond to his teaching. Um, You know, I'm thinking someone like uh, Zacchaeus, you know, or someone like the woman at the well who hears about who Jesus is, accepts, yes, I want that, and enters into the kingdom. Um, Would they be a disciple? Probably depends on what our definition is, of course. But I want to make this point. A disciple isn't just someone who hears Jesus' teaching. There were a ton of people that heard Jesus' teaching they actually liked his teaching. They cheered on when he, you know, criticized the, the religious leaders of the day. There were people waving the, the palm branches, you know, saying, Hosanna, you know, th- this is the king. A lot of people that we wouldn't call disciples. There were a lot of people that probably experienced miracles, 
that probably witnessed miracles happening, but may or may not have been disciples. You know, we don't even see any of the 12 disciples uh, like receiving some sort of miraculous healing. There's no record of them being baptized, though they likely were. I mean, that's just in my opinion. What makes them disciples? And I think there's one thing that uh, Peter says that I think summarizes it well. This is uh, right after the, um, the rich young ruler that we talked about uh, a little bit in the last series. Uh, I'm in Luke chapter 18, verse 28. It's really short, but feel free to get there. I, I, I gotta wait. I'll give, you, I'll give you time. I should have told you that, that earlier and give, give you the time to go. It, you know, it's funny. They, I was excited because I don't have to wrestle with this, this little clicker, you know, because there's no slides. And then I just realized that the live stream still works with the slides. So sorry, and also thank you <laughs> for following along because I'm definitely not even using it. Also, I thought, Oh, that's not good either. Oh, well, man, that's, that's what happens when you go off script. You know, I was, I was all excited too because no one needs to know what I had planned. I'll just do whatever I want. But I think I need to stick to my script, guys. I think, I think it's, safe, it's safer for everyone. That's right. All right, hopefully you all have Luke 18, 28 by now, right? Here's what Peter said. Let's get back to where we're going. The summary of what it means to be a disciple. Peter said to him, to Jesus, we have left all we had to follow you. Comparing him, contrasting himself with the rich young ruler who says, I won't sell all my possessions and give to the poor. Peter says, well, we, I mean, I've given up everything to follow you. And I think that's what it looks like to be a disciple. Someone who's given their whole life to follow Jesus, right? Not just someone who's heard a teaching, not just someone who's experienced healing or who says like, yeah, I think that's good or cheers them on. It's no, I am going to give my whole life to you, Jesus. And therefore, I'm a disciple, I think that's uh, where we should aim as a church. If we're called to make disciples of all nations, uh, it's not simply let's get people to come or let's just share the gospel with people. How can we help people give their entire lives, their whole lives to following Jesus? So for me, I I would say a church then has kind of two arenas or two areas that they they, they can pursue this mission. One is the people that are already showing up, right? It's us that, that have said, yes, I'm in. I want to follow Jesus. I want to worship him. Then the goal of the church or the purpose of the church is to help each one of us fully give our lives to Jesus. And understand, what does that mean, right? Encourage each other, uh, help us understand it, and then be able to do it. Uh, provide the care, the support, whatever it's going to take for each one of us to more fully give our lives to Jesus. Uh, but then it's also to, to all nations, right? So then the other part that our church has to do is, well, everyone else not here, right? Beyond, beyond our walls. Uh, how can we help them know and understand who this Jesus is so that they also can give their whole lives to follow Jesus. It's the same finish line for every single person. There's not a, a junior Christian, you're right? It's like, first you gotta get into the door of a church. Then you got, no, no, no. To be a disciple is to give your whole life to Jesus. But the church has to focus not only on the people in here, but also the people around them, whoever they, they feel the, the nations are to our particular church. Now, how do we know if we're doing a good job of making disciples? It's very subjective, you know, like, like if a church is doing well, here's, here's a good question. I remember in seminary, we'd interview different pastors, uh, and, and I would always ask a question, uh, what is your measure of success? I thought it's fascinating because everyone has a different idea of what being a successful church is. A common, common understanding would be a successful church is lots of people coming. 
right? People are showing up and they're hearing the gospel. That means they want to, to follow Jesus. And so if you've got a big church, that means you're successful. Um, even if we don't say it, I think we imply that this is what success looks like because those are the people that write books. Those are people that speak at conferences. Those are the people we kind of elevate as uh, Christian leaders are the ones that are drawing a large crowd. Uh, the flip side or the counter here, I'll stand on this side to say this part, <laughs> would be the smaller churches like us are like, well, that doesn't technically mean that they're successful. <laughs> you know, it's, what you really want is to be faithful. Sorry, I, I don't say that. Hmm, I might say that, but <laughs> I've, I've actually said it, right? It's like, we just want to be faithful to what God's called you, right? Doesn't matter if it's successful because he might have placed you in a desert where people aren't going to be responding, where you can be faithfully preaching the gospel, but people aren't turning. It's not your job to turn their hearts. That's the Holy Spirit's. And so really what you want to measure in terms of your discipleship is, if, are you being faithful and obedient to what God's given you? Um, I think both of those are decent. And, and you can make a biblical argument for both of those being the measure of discipleship, but I think there's a better option. Um, I was reminded by uh, Tim Keller this week. So I don't know if you heard about Tim Keller. He went to be with the Lord. He's a oh, longtime pastor, wrote a ton of books, was very influential as a, uh, a thought leader for the church of the last couple decades. Um, I recommend any book that I've read by him. I haven't found um, a bad one yet. And I was just looking through some of his old material that I have. Um, and, and he was talking about what should be the standard for church in terms of grading itself, like discipleship. Are we making disciples? What do we look at? And he said, there's something in the Bible that Jesus holds his disciples accountable to, where he says, I will judge your discipleship based on this. And I feel that's probably where we need to go. I'm gonna go to John chapter 15 on this one. Another famous passage. John chapter 15, verses five through eight. This is... Uh, Jesus, right after the Last Supper, right before he's going to die on the cross, he's sharing a very intimate moment. Uh, it's kind of the longest conversation that we have with just him and his disciples. He's, this is a part of what he says. Um, John chapter 15, verse 5 through 8. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers, such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is a theme in Jesus' teaching. There was one parable that he shared one time about a farmer who's planting a tree. There's no fruit growing on it. And he tells his workers, well, go ahead and tend to it. Uh, let's give it one more year. But if not, we're, we're tossing it out and throwing it away. There's no fruit on it. Of all of Jesus' miracles, there's one that didn't bring life. There was one destructive miracle. Do you know what it was? He cursed the fig tree, and then it withered and died. Why? It didn't bear fruit. That's what Jesus is looking for. That's what he's telling his disciples. That's how I'll know if you are really my disciple, if you're bearing fruit. Because you can only bear fruit if you're in me. If you've given your whole life to me, then you'll bear fruit. That's how I know you're my disciple. But if you're faking it, if you're just going through the motions, you won't have fruit. You're apart from me, and I have no need for you. <laughs> you are not my disciple. When we want to grade ourselves as a church, how are we doing on discipleship? Okay, what fruit are we producing? Just plain and simple, right? Can we point to the lives here within this room where we are uh, more fully giving our lives to God because we see fruit that has come in our lives? Fruit is a metaphor, right? I, I, 
I think we all picked that up, right? <laughs> but fruit means it's those little, the little actions, little behaviors, the thoughts that indicate that we are being molded into Christ's likeness. We are looking more like his character. So it's things like, whoa, I was unexpectedly patient, kind, gentle, in the midst of great anxiety or stress or anger. You know, where it's, um, I am willingly choosing to lay uh, my own desires down and elevate others. Like I'm choosing to serve other people. Um, it's, it's saying things that uh, I don't want to be the, the one who uh, chooses what to do with my life. Instead, I want to look at others around and figure out how can I serve them? How can I love them? And definitely, it means being formed like the God who sends, where you start seeing yourself as being sent, where, where no longer am I just living my life, I'm living the life God has given me that's for others, that's kind of flipped inside out. That's the fruit that we're looking for. And so, okay, for, for a church, are you doing well, fulfilling your purpose of making disciples? Are people laying their life down? You'll know if you look at their fruit. Are their lives indicating that they're being conformed to God's likeness for his purposes? And then you have to ask the, the further step. Uh, are people in the community, are their lives displaying any fruit because of your influence? I think it's easier to be uh, focused on the people that are here, inward focused, and not let our whole church be also molded to God's character and go out. Okay, so how about our church? That's, the, that's my summary. All churches should make disciples. Discipleship is giving your whole life to Jesus. You can measure discipleship by looking at the fruit. All right, for us, beyond church, who are we? Uh, we say our, our mission, right, our purpose exists, what Tammy read, is to live God's love beyond ourselves so that all of Castle Rock could know his love or will know his love. Uh, that's our goal. And, and within that, you can see that there's elements of this discipleship process, right? Like we want ourselves to learn how to li live beyond ourselves, not be uh, sucked into doing whatever we want, but rather be transformed so that now we are reflecting God and loving others outwardly. Uh, also, uh, there's this uh, piece where not just our hearts are changed, but others will come to know who God is. Uh, when we say, well, know God's love, we don't want uh, we don't mean like know about God's love or just know that God loves you, but actually receive, accept, and surrender to God's love. Really knowing what it means to be loved by God, choosing to submit to God's love. That's our heart is discipleship. That's the way that we've said it uh, because we want, our mission and our, our name of our church was picked strategically be, for, for us, for our current existence. 2023, I mean, it was 2020 when we made it, but it still, it still goes for 2023 but for this area, for Castle Rock, for where we're at. We want our church to challenge the kind of foremost or prominent way that we see the world trying to find a fulfilling life. Here's what I see. You can tell me, you can tell me if I'm wrong. In Castle Rock, uh, we want to kind of uh, curate the perfect life for ourselves. Uh, whether that's, you know, the, the things that we have, right? The cars we drive, the uh, what we wear, you know, but, but uh, the, the schools our kids go to, right, the opportunities that they have, the job that we get, the salary we get, the benefits we get, can we work from home, uh, those kind of things. Um, it's, it's, do I have the opportunity? It's leisure. Do I, have, do, I, do I play with the right things? Do I have the right, I spend my time the right way? Um, here in Castle Rock, we have tremendous agency, the ability to influence all of those factors. The opportunities we have here in Castle Rock are crazy compared to anything else, you know, and, and we've got, uh, you know, excellent security and safety for the whole town. I mean, this is why people want to move to Castle Rock. It's great, and you have the ability 
to, to make your life what you want, right? It's it, the American dream style. You know, it's like if, if you plug in here, you get a nice job, wow, you're going to be able to, to kind of adjust the way you want. I almost imagine it like, you know, those people with like bonsai plants and it's like their baby and they're like clipping it and like, okay. And you know, and you're trying to trim it to make it look like the right thing. And it's this long-term relationship with your life. I mean, that's, that's what it, it looks like to me. And it's like in Castle Rock, it feels like we have the ability to trim our little bonsai plant of a life to exactly what we want and, and to almost control the whole thing. And I feel uh, that's not biblical. Or, you know, it's, uh, did you guys watch the Lego movie? Um, where it's, it's about Legos. Uh, but the whole thing is, it, you know, like Lego figurines, you know, and buildings. The whole thing is set in a guy's basement who loves Legos and has made a ton, like a, a massive town, like a whole universe of Lego. And he's glued the little figurines down. And then the plot of the movie is his son, like, playing with them and, like, breaking, like, his set. You know, and so there's this, there's the plot line of the movie that's all within this Lego universe. But then there's, like, the cool, like, plot twist. Oh, it's actually about, like, father-son dynamics and, like, how much you're willing to, like, let go of control to have a relationship with your son. And it's probably, I don't know. It's been a while since I've watched it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that's what I imagine people in Castle Rock doing, right? It's like my life is perfectly placed and I will build it exactly the way I want it. I will glue the figurines where they need to be and my life is perfect. And, and, and that's what I think our culture, our city sees. This is the kind of fruit I want. That is the satisfaction that I want in life. If I could just perfectly make it. Okay, there, no one touch it, right? And something happens and you say, okay, well, then we got to fix it and we'll do this. And okay, okay. You know, it's like, that's what I see in the world. That's not what I see in the Bible. What I see in the Bible is this call to give your whole life to Jesus, which would be, if you're, if you're building Legos, it's, it's not. It's not saying, well, oh, oh yeah, Jesus, you need, a, you need a spot too. I'll put a church in. Well, no, I'll make it the biggest church. I'll make it bigger than all the other towers, right? Here, I'll put my figurine in it. No, no, no. He's saying, give me the bricks. <laughs> you know, like tear down your city. You don't get control of your life. I want to build your life. Give me it all. And I feel like that's our call as beyond church. Get beyond yourself. You don't get to be the little Lego master. What do they call it? Master builder or whatever. You don't get to be the master builder of your own life. If we're beyond church, live beyond yourself. That means you can't be the one that holds on to everything. You're not the one that gets to tailor make every little aspect of your life. If we're living our church correctly, we will be presenting an alternative way of living, a, a different path from the world that says, no, this is actually where there's life. This is satisfaction, and you'll find fruit here that you can't produce over here. That's our, that's our goal. That's our heart with beyond church, is that we would... Um, Live beyond ourselves through service, through love, through things that we say are fruit of God's character, that we would be transformed and changed, so that we would go out and love and serve others beyond ourselves. And in that, the world would say, whoa, that's different. And so that, okay, how are we doing with that? Okay, <laughs> you know, uh, I think one thing that we're doing really well is the community that we've created. I really feel like uh, we care about each other. That, that, you know, all the time that we spend uh, hanging out after church, doing these little discussion groups, um, countless meetings that go on all through the week just because we're connected demonstrates something beyond just this individual creating of our life. We've, we've developed this community that loves each other. And I think that's fantastic. I think when, when new people walk in, they say, whoa, this is refreshing. You know, this, I, don't, I don't see this in other communities because we're, we're built around God's love. I think that's, that's a start, <laughs> 
Uh, it's certainly good. Um, and I think that does indicate there's fruit where our hearts are being molded more toward one another and not simply just ourselves and what we can get out of church or what we can get when we show up. But how, how many people beyond the walls um, are displaying fruit because of our presence, the church's presence? Now, now look, here, here's the thing, here's the thing. I know some people will say, um, well, there's stories you don't know about with my neighbor that because of what we talked about here, I've been sharing and they've been receiving and now they're starting to see fruit in their life. Or you, you even say yourself like, hey, look, when I came here, like there's fruit in my life that's happening. Like I'm, I'm an example of that. My point is there's a ton of people in Castle Rock and I don't think we're anywhere close to our fruit production capacity. <laughs> you know, I think there's so much more for us to become more like Christ, molded toward him, to have the impact in the community where they could actually know God's love, actually accept it and submit to it in their lives. That's the part where I wanna go further. You know, this earlier this year, you know, where we posted in January, hey, you know, we've, our lease is up in September, so we're, we're kind of thinking, like, what do we need to do? Where do we need to go? You know, we're looking at the budget, and you're kind of like, oh, we're so small. Like, we, don't, we can't fill this up. I don't know if it makes sense for us to try to keep paying for this. And so I was praying here in the church. I was back over there uh, in the corner. And I was like, okay, God. You know, like, the, we, we just skipped over the verse. He says, you ask for anything in my name, and I'll give it to you, right? Didn't he say that? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. I'm like, okay, God, uh, can we keep it? You know, like, can you make a way for us to be able to keep the space? I want it. Like, I, look, I don't, I don't have the time to figure out why I want it, if it's selfish or if it's not, but that's my desire, God. And it almost felt like, and now it's difficult for me to understand when God's speaking to me, but it almost felt like God said, okay, what for? You know, and it's, I'm like, okay, that's not from God because he knows I'm a pastor. He knows we meet here as a church every Sunday. What do you mean, what for? It's like, for this. But to me, to me it was a reminder of like, hey, what's the purpose? Hey, are you fruitful? What are you gonna do with it, right? Are you gonna produce fruit? Or are you just gonna kind of sit there and do what you want? And so all of a sudden I get this gnawing feeling like, man, yeah, what for? <laughs> you know, like if it's just to keep coming on a Sunday and experience community, that'd be good. But the purpose of the church is for us to be transformed further into disciples and also for the whole community to be transformed into disciples. Like, well, can we can we use it for that, God? You know, it's like, okay, wait, hold on. You know, like if, if you're, if you're going to be in this with us, can you help us produce this fruit? Can we hold on to you tightly so that we can produce the fruit that you want? And so for me, the, the, the conversation became way less about, do we have the money to keep the space to, wait, what are we doing? What for? You know, what, what are we going to use the space for? How are we going to be faithful to what God has given us here and produce fruit? What's fruitful in our life? And I think that that's where I think we, we need to do more or shift a little bit. And that's where what's coming out on stage on Sundays you hear. I, I think there's three separate things uh, that we have to do, three separate areas that we've got to do more in order to be more fruitful. Uh, the first is get in the community. Uh, we can't just have a Sunday service and expect that that is going to transform the world around us. When it says, go make disciples of all nations, well, there's a go aspect of it. He told them, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. And they did. Then they got the Holy Spirit all over. We already have the Holy Spirit. We don't have to wait. We don't have to just sit here and hold on to what we have. We, we need to at least know that God's heart for us is to go out 
And so we feel as a church, we need to be much more intentional on creating any sort of relationships with people beyond the walls of these church. Also, uh, I think the, the majority of people who come in new to our church, uh, some are like relational connections, but some are just Google, you know, or you just randomly like church in Castle Rock, you know, and like beyond church, cool, I'll try it. And then they show up. Um, not, not a bad thing, but again, we don't want people just to show up. And if that is our, the limit of our, our impact on people beyond these walls, beyond these doors, what it teaches us is that this is the finish line. That all we need, we just need more people to come, and then once they're here, we're good. And, and we're saying, no, 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 no. Actually, once you come, then you, you begin this process of laying your full life down, which means you're transformed, which means you're going to get sent out, which means the whole little Lego building that you built for your life, carefully crafted, that's coming all down, and God's going to rebuild you, but in ways that actually yield fruit. And we're going to present this alternative life that has it. The second thing we've got to do is we actually have to live differently. This is hard. If, if, if we want someone in, in, in Castle Rock that has the ability to craft a perfect life or what they think is perfect, we have to present something that looks totally different for them to even consider setting aside what they think is their perfect life and following it. Uh, here, here's, here's the temptation or here's the, the, the weakness, the, the, the problem, the, the gutter, the pitfall of, of being a church in Castle Rock. Because people are curating their whole lives and building everything up, church can fit right into that. You, you can use church to say, well, I do need to have, you know, a little bit of Jesus in my life. I like the way that this one makes me feel, or I need this experience. My kids need this teaching. And you, you can actually never give God a brick to actually build in your life, and you're going to church, right? And you're engaged, but you have never said, I give you my whole life. You've just said, I will allow you to be a part of my life, God. You know, there, that's, a, that's a difference, and I think that's the difficulty of churches in Castle Rock, because, yeah, just show up if it fits. You know, if it doesn't fit, yeah, we, we've got something else for you, right? Or, you know, jump online or here, get our daily texts and get your little Jesus that way, whatever it is. It's really easy for us to present a church that fits into this, this model, this lifestyle that we would say that's, that's not actually what being a disciple is and that's not actually fruitful. Uh, what, we, what we have to do, which is difficult, and I think we've got quite a ways to go, is to create a different way of living. You know, a life that is, demonstrating a recalibrating of our priorities that says the things that I like, the things that I want are not as important as the things that God wants. And we think that's going to be reflected in service toward others, loving of others, setting aside ourselves, making us lower, uh, us not getting as many good things so that others might get those good things. And that's where I feel, ooh, we've got to do that probably more than what we're doing currently. The last one is we've got to encourage each other in this. The standard for a disciple is high, like impossibly high. Give your whole life to Jesus. It's like, how do I do that? You know, like we constantly need to be reminded, encouraged, cared for in every area. Submit that one too to Jesus. Yep, you know what? You, you know, that nice little, you know, tower you built for yourself, you're going to need to tear that down and give those bricks to Jesus. Um, that's difficult because it deals with us letting go of things that we value highly and allowing God to tell us, actually, this needs to be valued highly. And you might miss out on the things that you think bring you life because you trust and have faith that God will actually bring you life. We have to encourage one another to do this. And I think it's 
a whole lot easier to do this in each other's life if we're working together side by side on the mission and not just talking about it. I think we've done a pretty good job of talking about, yeah, we should live God's love beyond ourselves. Cool, how are you doing it? Cool, all right, me too. Yeah, keep it up. But we need to demonstrate this is what it looks like and then we need to participate in that so that we can be formed in it. Not, not just that our church would have this impact, but that we would be disciples further laying down. We need to do hard things so that Jesus can stretch us and show us those areas that we're not quite willing to give everything up. So we have to pick a mission that suits these things, that gets us out into the community, that demonstrates an alternative lifestyle, not in a bad way, <laughs> but in a great way that's not just us trying to curate our lives, but rather us living on a mission. And we've got to do something that's going to help encourage each one of us to do this in every area of our lives. When we said we were choosing to serve youth, it was to try to fulfill uh, these convictions about who we should be as beyond church here. Um, I know some of you were a little concerned, like, have you counted the number of youth in our church? You know, I mean, no offense to Peyton and Sophia and Ellie's not here, you know, but uh, we don't have a youth group, Pastor Brad, you know, but, but here's the thing, here's the thing. If we want to go beyond our walls of the church, we have to serve someone who's not here, right? It's almost a prerequisite that we don't, that it won't be self-serving. Because we're practicing living this different lifestyle where we say our needs are going to be lowered in order that other needs are met. And, and that's what we're aiming for. And so our goal with working with youth is not to create a youth group. Because the goal isn't to bring people here, right? It's not, oh, if we, can, if we can just do something for youth, then they can come and the parents can come. And now we've got a big church and now we fill our space. No, 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 no. It's never about the space. I think God was trying to tell me it's about the mission. Are you fruitful? And what we need to do is actually meet needs of people in the, in the town. We felt like, they're, one, they're, they're students. There are teens in Castle Rock. That's, that's a fact. There are problems. When we asked the high schoolers, they confirmed, yes, there are struggles that high schoolers have. And then we've seen God demonstrating that he's already up to something here in town, and it's just up to us if we want to jump on or not. There's, been, there's two separate organizations that just started this spring, Christian organizations, to meet needs of students in Castle Rock. And so it's like, oh, well, maybe we won't have to invent the whole thing. Like, what do you need? What do you need? You know, and maybe there's some support role that we can give toward it. But it just feels like we could have gone in any direction, guys, because it, the, the specific focus isn't what's important. The fact that we're taking steps in faithfulness to what God has called us and being a purpose, making disciples, demonstrating fruit, that's what we're aiming at. And so my, my hope, my hope, is that we would actually meet needs. We would love these students well. We'd love anyone around the students well. It might not just be the students. It might be counselors. It might be parents. There might be other people that we come to meet. But in that process, that people would know about who Jesus is and they would come to choose to follow him and understand what it means to give your life, but then also that we would be transformed. So I invite you guys, come with us. Even if you never show up to any sort of youth event, participate with us in this process of saying, I want to serve, I want to help, because we will be transformed as we go through this, as we work together. And so that's my heart. If we can get out in the community, we can look different, model what that looks like as a church, if we can encourage each other well, then we can stand confidently before God and say, okay, this was the purpose that you've given us, and here's what we have done with it. Here's the fruit that you've displayed. So that's where we're heading, and I invite you guys all to come along with it, Pray for us, uh, not just about the space. Pray that we would be fruitful. Pray that there would be those opportunities for us to be able to make disciples and that we ourselves would be transformed. All right, would you pray with me this morning?
God, thank you so much for your love for us. Uh, th- thank you that you see us struggling and you, and you hurt for us, that you want to be with us, that you want to connect with us. Thank you that you relate in ways that are real. You know, even like the, the song we're singing about us being witnesses to your faithfulness and to your love and to the, your goodness, the things you've done. I pray that, oh, we would not be content just to have a little bit of you or just to know about you or just to sing about you. Uh, Lord, show us that you desire us to give our whole lives to you. And then can you just amaze us with the fruit that that produces? May you show us and excite us with how we are being conformed to your likeness, to your purposes, so that everyone might know this true life, this real fruit where goodness actually is in life. Oh, empower us, Lord. Remove obstacles in front of us and give us the courage and the boldness to, to walk forward here at Beyond Church with how you want us to fulfill this mission. In your name we pray, amen. All right, we've got some discussion questions. They're not there, so they're gonna be on your papers uh, that you've got for your sheets, or if you wanna cheat like I do every Sunday, you can look at the back projector because that bulb is still going. Here's, here's the questions I have for you this, this morning. One is what inspires you to give your whole life to Jesus? This is talking your own personal inspiration. What things make you feel like, yes, I want to do that? Um, Number two, uh, theological question. Should the Great Commission still lead churches today, right? So I, I love these questions where you say, sure, that applied to the disciples in the Bible. What about us today? What would you change and what would you keep? I said, yes, it does, uh, but perhaps there's uh, other arguments that you guys would like to make on that one. And then lastly, uh, thinking practically, what barriers prevent churches from going beyond their walls? It can be about us or it can be about others, uh, but this is hopefully going to help us be more aware of what's preventing us from fulfilling this mission that God has for us. All right, take about five minutes, and then I'll dismiss you guys, and we can leave.